Hello, everyone. This is Noah. And I'm Simon. And welcome to the Resolve Podcast. We're your resource for all things mental health, academic success, and personal growth. Devoted to helping students thrive and build the resilience to succeed in school and in life. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Resolve podcast, focusing on our mental health grad school survival guide. I'm here today with a fantastic friend and colleague, Clyde Hearn, who I met back in my time in Ireland, and she's doing wonderful work addressing statistics anxiety, and she's also working for another startup. So without further ado, uh, welcome, Clyde. Uh, would you like to tell the audience a little bit about yourself? So as Simon said, my name is Clyde Hearn. I'm the founder of Sun Numbers, which is an startup that helps uh, university students to tackle statistics anxiety and helps them with data analysis as well. So my background is in teaching. I'm originally from Brazil. I had a career as a teacher back in my country. Then when I moved to Ireland, I got a degree in psychology at UCC. So now I'm doing a startup incubator at UCC. I'm taking part in a program. And uh, I'm also in grad school. I'm doing a postgrad in innovation through design thinking. Fantastic. And for our audience, UCC is University College Cork over in Ireland. And over there in Europe, they call grad school postgrad, which of course is very confusing. Now, anyways, could you tell us a little bit about why you started up Sunny Numbers and why there's a problem with anxiety and statistics? And maybe you can even touch on your background as a teacher for this. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Sunny Numbers actually uh, wasn't a business idea that I had uh, in, in a sense that literally was born through my experience in undergrad in psychology, where I myself, I, I, I didn't expect to study so many models with statistics in the course. And uh, I noticed that some of my uh, classmates as well, they were a little puzzled and anxious about all the amount of maths, you know, that we had to go through just to get a degree. And so that was quite overwhelming, particularly in the first year, because they're not prepared, you know, if you're doing some social science degrees such as psychology, normally people would not be prepared to study a lot of statistics, but it's actually, it's one of the, the main disciplines. We spend the whole uh, degree studying statistics because it's very, very essential to um, conduct research and um, actually to uh, make sense of data. So it's very, very important. But it's not very straightforward, particularly if you're coming from a background, you know, teaching and social sciences. So I wanted to find a way actually to not only help myself <laughs> in the beginning, um, but also help my classmate. I, I decided to do a, a group study that time uh, in my final year. And also I conducted some research at the university and my final year research project was focused on statistics anxiety. What is it about statistics that gives us all anxiety? Uh, is it something that's particular 
to male students or is this something you see in male and female students? And why do statistics make us feel so, so bad? That's a very good question. During my research, I, I actually found out that there are so many reasons why people fear mathematics and statistics. You know, uh, some of the reasons might be because mathematics in general, it does, they, they do have a, a bad reputation, right? So if you, if you imagine that you grow up, you know, some people grow up um, thinking that maths and statistics is hard, right? So you, you do have that ingrained idea, it is hard. And, and therefore, if I struggle, that means I'm not able to learn and it's not for me. I'm just not a mass person, right? So those ideas, they start sometimes very, very early, early school, right? Uh, and as you grow up, it becomes very, very hard for you to overcome that. What I found out throughout my research was unless you have some sort of uh, developmental problem, such as dyscalculia, which is actually a, a real challenge, you know, where you really have difficulties learning anything related to numerical skills, most people are able to learn maths and statistics to, uh, to a decent amount. Most of the time, it's a lack of confidence is uh, those messages that, you know, people have assimilated throughout their lives at school as well, uh, not only at school, but also sometimes if your parents, for example, they uh, struggle with maths, chances are you, you grow up with that idea, you know, that it's hard and only a few people will be able to actually learn, which is really a myth that is no, <laughs> that is, that is no foundation in that. But also research has shown that most, most of the people uh, who struggle with maths tend to be female. But then again, that's, it doesn't say much because actually in terms of anxiety, we all know that uh, females are more prone to anxiety than they males for you know a variety of reasons. So it's a combination really, you know, it's a combination of factors that may that may lead someone to um, have or struggle with mass and statistics. And then what's your story with uh, math and statistics? Did you go through same sort of anxiety and how did you succeed to end up where you are now? Well, that is a very, very unusual trajectory in the sense of story, uh, because I used to be very fearful of, of mathematics throughout, uh, you know, school, but it, that was never a reason why I, I, I didn't like. It's, it's not that I didn't like. It's, it's, it's something that I never paid attention to, right? Uh, so obviously, when I, you know, in in my undergrad, when I had to learn statistics that felt is a shock right i i just like my classmates i wasn't expecting so that was a learning curve but for some reason that process made me reflect made me look back in in my history instead of me just like uh, fearing and and being paralyzed uh, for some reason that forced me to look back at my years at school and think what was it that started this fear or is there any foundation here or why I never paid attention to maths before at school? I started asking myself all those questions. For some reason, I just started enjoying the process, 
right? For, for someone who always feared maths, I stopped enjoying to the point where all the, the elective disciplines models, you know, that we had, that had anything to do with statistics, I was taking it. Everybody was running away and I was taking throughout my, my uh, degree in psychology, actually the, the models that I enjoyed the most were the ones um, related to psychometrics or statistics or quantitative research. And that took me by surprise. Because I, I didn't expect to enjoy <laughs> and, and, and actually go on a journey where I wanted to help other people to experience the same, the same, the same feeling of achievement as well and overcoming, you know, that, that fear and that anxiety towards uh, numeracy. Yeah, that sounds very interesting. Uh, do you have any idea why you suddenly started to enjoy it was it just having the practice and facing your fear realizing it's not uh it's not this big bad monster yeah well i i i have to say i at that time i was in a privileged position because you know i was in the process of studying psychology and obviously if you if you do have a, a little bit of understanding of psychology you you do understand how you're very curious about how people learn things and you understand what triggers the human brain or uh, the learning development you learn a lot about that right so instead of looking at the challenge and thinking oh something saying something like oh i'm not a mass person and you know panicking that would not that 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 would not be uh, appropriate in that sense because obviously you you if you do understand the psychology behind learning you understand that you know there are reasons why uh, you you may have you know an aversion to a certain discipline you know so it, it's just that psychological curiosity that actually um, led me to, to investigate a little bit more and try to understand myself and try to understand why and why and how people learn things and learn things that are particularly complex and difficult. So it all started with a little bit of self introspection. So, yeah. So searching, I'll say. Yeah. 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 Uh, <laughs> psychology is interesting. Why don't I like statistics? Hmm. I fear statistics. <laughs> Why do I fear statistics? It's a very sort yeah, exactly. of grad school yeah. way of approaching the problem. I should I should have mentioned Simon that my first degree actually wasn't psychology, was philosophy. So uh, that that's all the those questions. Obviously, it's part of the training. You know, like my first. My first degree was in, in philosophy. I used to be a philosophy teacher as well. So that questioning, you know, is always there. And that curiosity to try to understand yourself, try to understand, you know, uh, all the people as well. And how can you improve or how can you overcome certain challenges, you know? <laughs> Just to give a little bit of background. It's curiosity, yeah. really. Yeah. Uh, that's a very uh, fascinating combination there. How did uh, your experience of statistics and you studying psychology and going through grad school in a different country, how did that all affect your mental health? And how do you how did you deal with uh, those challenges? As I can imagine, it's completely overwhelming going to a different country from Brazil to Ireland. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's a it's a big change, and uh, I I you know was lucky enough to to be able to do a little bit of traveling before settling in Ireland. I spent some time in France. I spent some time in the UK. Then eventually I settled in Ireland, um, um, and. Nowadays, obviously, this is my country. I I really love here. I I uh, you know I got married in this country, uh, not to an Irish man. I should mention, right? <laughs> an English man, but it's uh, it's my home, right? Uh, but it's still it's um, anyone who's an immigrant, you know, could could uh, attest what I'm saying. It's uh, it's a process of adjusting to a different culture and uh, having to make very difficult choices as well. Uh, as I mentioned before, I used to be a philosophy teacher in Brazil, but when I moved to Ireland, right, uh, suddenly I was left, you know, unable to uh, continue my career, right? Here's the reason why I decided to go back to, to college and retrain as a psychologist. So when you move countries, sometimes you, you're faced with those hard choices, right? Um, I had a career uh, as a teacher, uh, moving to another country, couldn't continue, had to retrain, which is very humbling, right? It's very humbling to to have to go back and uh, train yourself again in, in a different direction. But I really enjoyed as well, you know, and I, I, I'm always like very curious and I always love learning. So, Although it's it's hard because you you kind of you know I I had my job and I had a career why I can't continue but then you know you have to adjust obviously in terms of mental health sometimes it can be overwhelming and I myself I I have struggled with anxiety my whole life you know since I'm, I I was a little girl I I remember myself feeling fear for no reason. Right, um, uh, fear of dark, fear of everything, and um, this is something that sometimes I do struggle. And for me, it has been a lifelong journey of acceptance, of managing the best I can with lifestyle choices and everything. But I finally I got to a point where in my life where I uh, I'm able to sort of manage and most of the time I don't have any symptoms or anything. You know, I'm able to, to do the things that I really want to do, uh, working and study, live a, a healthy life without uh, letting anxiety get in the way. But it's something that I'm always, you know, always very mindful because it's always, it's always there, you know. So how, how did you get a handle on it? I can imagine maybe moving to a new place could uh, reignite some of those fears. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Obviously, it takes a while. It's a long journey. Anyone who struggles with anxiety disorder will attest to you that this is not something that you actually, you know, you you take a, a, a medication or you go to therapy and suddenly everything is okay and you don't. It's it's really a lifelong journey. What worked for myself, obviously, you know, I'm very fortunate that I I look for help every time. <laughs> if I do, if I if I am struggling, the first thing that I do is I look for medical advice. I always do that. Um, you know, I never let anything get too too difficult to manage. You know, so I think uh, looking for help it's very very important. And looking for help. Uh, early on and don't be afraid right don't be afraid to 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 ask for help it's very important 
The other thing that helped me was lifestyle choices. Be very mindful that this is my experience. This is what worked for me. Uh, for, for, for you and your lifestyle, maybe something different. But what worked for me was um, I don't drink alcohol, for example, right? Um, um, it's something that it really helps with my anxiety. I don't drink alcohol. Um, uh, my diet, uh, it's, it's, I'm pescatarian, so I try to eat a little bit healthier. Um, I do exercise currently. Um, I, I, I love Latin dancing again, you know, and, and I was born in Brazil, so growing up dancing and everything. So it's just something that brings me so much joy, uh, Latin dancing and really helps with, you know, managing anxiety and everything. Sleeping, <laughs> sleep is so important, you know, managing your mental health. I think it's really uh, underrated importance of sleep nowadays it's one of the best medicines you can take for for managing your mental health you know and a little bit of exercise and it doesn't mean going to the gym or doing anything so heavy you know um what i do with myself is is well i love i love latin dancing so i take half an hour um you know put my dancing my my my, my music and dancing my kitchen it doesn't cost me anything right i don't leave the house it just it just move your body a little bit and and you know that that is a sense of joy that is a sense of um serotonin you know <laughs> running in your brain that really really lifts um your spirit so it's that's what works for me um, but every person is different and uh you know you should you should always um adapt to to your lifestyle Fascinating, fascinating. And just to follow up on something you touched on there with uh, alcohol, I know in grad school, especially in Ireland, as well as in the startup world, a lot of networking happens at events with alcohol. Could you yeah. sort of touch on trying to manage your mental health while trying to avoid alcohol, while also trying to get ahead in what you're doing? yeah it's very interesting because um obviously as an outsider we both outsiders you know living in ireland i'm pretty sure you have the same impression you know that um alcohol is it's very linked to social life here um and it's oh, something yeah. that's that, yeah like like in, in in england as well as happen countries you know but in in ireland in particular alcohol is linked to social life so if you are meeting your friends uh and you're going to, to you're going to the pub Right. And if you're going to the pub, obviously you, you've got to have a pint, you've got to have alcohol. So it's very hard to dissociate that. And if you go to the pub and meet your friends and you don't drink any alcohol, you know, people are going to start, you know, looking at you and, uh, oh my goodness, she's different or something. Very hard, but that can be manageable. Ireland, unfortunately, uh, nowadays there is um, much more of an hour awareness towards, you know, um, in relation to alcohol consumption, uh, because um, obviously historically uh, it's 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 a it's a huge problem for 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 us, you know, in Ireland, alcoholism and problems with alcohol is it's very prevalent. You can see um, a, a shift you know, with the, the younger generation, where people are much more aware, if you don't want to drink, it's okay. I can see, like, I myself, 
um, I love, I used to love gin tonic, just to give an example. I used to love it. Um, but now I can, you know, I, I go to the supermarket here and we have lots of non-alcoholic versions, you know, or if I go to the pubs or uh, restaurants, they have lots of different um, non-alcoholic cocktails or non-alcoholic drinks. Or um, coffee. <laughs> coffee as well. We both love coffee. Yeah. <laughs> So that there, you know, there is more choice, which I think a few years ago, uh, maybe you you didn't have. But nowadays, I do feel that, like, if you if you're going out with a group of friends, no one is gonna look weird at you just because you're having, I don't know, an alcoholic gin tonic. You know, um, I do that all the time. It's fine. No one says anything. It's okay. Right. So it's a personal choice, really. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. For me, the only uh, I got some weird looks when I asked for coffee at like 10 p.m. or 11 p.m. <laughs> but I don't think that's because I was at a bar ordering coffee, but because I was ordering coffee at night. <laughs> well, um, you know, I being from Brazil, I, I grew up drinking coffee and it's just like it's literally one of those drinks that I, I love it. I love coffee <laughs> as well. So, you know, yeah. I'm guilty as well. <laughs> yeah, I had my own uh, Brazilian housemate when I lived in Ireland. We had an espresso machine. We were a coffee house. So <laughs> I, I totally culture, Simon. It's part of the culture. Uh, I mean, I grew up like literally the first smell that I had in the house was the smell of coffee, right? My mom, she, she, the first thing that she would do in the morning was like making coffee, right? And then after that first drink of black coffee, then Jode started. And nowadays myself, I find myself doing the same thing. And I was like, Jesus, I'm just like my mother, you know, but it's, it's, uh, it, it's the pool of the culture. Like it's uh, we, you know, we, we love a black coffee and we love good coffee. <laughs> yeah. For me, there's just, there's just something special about the ritual of brewing yeah. coffee for yourself, yeah. for your friends and for others. One of the things yes. I did when I worked in the lab is I'd, always make a big batch of coffee and uh, share it with a bunch of people because, you know, that's what coffee's for. Coffee's for uh, sharing, not just yeah, for absolutely. the caffeine yeah. kick. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, um, you know, I, I grew up, like, if, if, you, if I went to a house in Brazil, a household, and the first thing that people ask you is, oh, would you like a cup of coffee? So coffee would be, it is still, you know, the, the first thing that someone is going to offer you there, over there. And I, know, I find that beautiful, um, uh, you know, because it's, it's, it's a lovely, you know, social ritual um, that we have. <laughs> now that you're basically doing a whole startup on your own. You're in this mm. incubator program where you have mm. lots of tasks you need to do. And on top of that, you're still mm. doing grad school. So how do you manage to mm. do it all? Um, I think one thing that's important is um, sort of obviously uh, some, some, some organization <laughs> because otherwise things you know start cropping up and get on top of each other but also the main thing for me is to manage my energy for myself more important than manage my time it's managing my energy because 
it's very important to to know when you are tired and you need a rest and you stop listen to your body and um, listen to your, your mind as well your, your your body and your mind because sometimes it's 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 not that easy to you know you're tired but you want to keep going right and so you're going against your body sometimes you feel you know say i i feel a little bit anxious about things and but i don't listen to myself and i just carry on regardless you know and i think over over the years i i have learned the hard way that you you really need to be in tune to to your energy levels um you know your mental health and your physical health as well when you do that um it becomes easier, right? Because you 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 respecting your limits. You know, I I always have been like that. I always took more than I could actually do, and and trying always to um, overcome your limits. Um, what's possible, and how how much can I do? And um, it's 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 good to push yourself. And I think it's you know I think I always do that. But it's always good to know. Um, when you need a rest and when you need to stop, you know, because um, being burnt out, it's not, it's not a joke. <laughs> and that happens a lot, you know, in grad school, uh, it's something that it's, it's very prevalent, you know, particularly amongst um, PhD students. So it's something to take, uh, to be taken very, very seriously. Yeah. And what are some of the pressures you faced? I know grad school is stressful. Uh, there's only 24 hours in a day and everybody wants you to do something. Everyone wants you to jump in on another project. Everybody mm -hmm. wants you to get more publications, talk at more conferences. And then you have startup where there is an unhealthy environment that encourages you to work 28 hours yeah. in a single 24 hour day. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's um, nowadays, obviously, people, they do have a little bit more of awareness, you know, uh, particularly um, in relation to mental health. And uh, uh, but it's uh, you're right. I mean, in uh, there are few people that, you know, in this startup world that they think to to really push themselves beyond what they can do uh, to the detriment of of the physical health and the mental health as well. But I do think this is a very unhealthy pattern because I do believe it's not sustainable, right? Um, um, some entrepreneurs, obviously, they will disagree to me, with me. They, they will say, no, you have to, to push as hard as you can. And, uh, you know, and I do that to myself, but also, um, I think with time and a little bit more of experience, um, I try to push myself, but I also try to uh, respect my body and uh, and uh, my you know protect my mental health as well. You do have to have that boundaries uh, to to keep yourself um, healthy because otherwise it's um, um, it's 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 just not sustainable. You know it's just not not sustainable at all. And I always tell people, particularly in the startup world, you know, like uh, I always tell people, this is this is a marathon, not a sprint, right? Uh, because when you start, you get all excited and you want to do everything super fast and it, it, it gets tiring and it gets exhausting very quickly, right? And But you need to still um, find the energy to keep going because that's 
you know, that's just the, the rules of the game. You have to have that stamina to keep going. And the way to do that is you need to be smart about your energy, energy levels, you know. That's why I said before, be very mindful of your time, yes, but your energy levels way more mindful because that's that's where you can, you know, you need to know when to conserve energy and when to, you know, uh, uh, spend your energy. So that's something very, very important. <laughs> yeah, that's some great advice on setting boundaries. You can kind of think mm -hmm. of it as having a fuel gauge for the day and you can only mm -hmm. do this amount of work in the same way that if you uh, drive around town and you use up all your gas and you sleep somewhere, mm -hmm. the next day it's going to be harder to get the car moving because mm -hmm. there was no gas in there. It's yeah, very absolutely. important to yeah. uh, pace yourself and your energy yeah. more so yeah. when you're doing a startup while you're doing grad school. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And also in grad school, it's something that I didn't mention is, you know, it's something that has to feel joyful, right? Uh, we're talking about grad school and particularly uh, in terms of your mental health, how to uh, preserve your mental health in grad school. You know, grad school, it's meant to be hard. It is hard, right? But if you are feeling miserable all the time, then there is something wrong. Maybe, maybe in the wrong path, right? Because it has to be hard, yes, but it has to be joyful as well. And, and you have to know if you are doing grad school for the right reasons, you know? I think sometimes people don't, don't realize or don't take too much time to, to understand why they're doing that, right? Again, it might, it might be the philosopher in me, but um, why are you doing that? Is that because um, you want to make money or uh, you want the prestige of being called a doctor or uh, the expectations, you know, so, so societal expectations? So you have to really analyze yourself and understand what, what is the reason behind, you know, my decision uh, to do grad school and feeling exhausted and feeling tired and facing challenges. Um, it's normal. It's okay. It's, it's part of the game, but if you're feeling, um, miserable that, you know, you need to, you need to have a think because that's not, that's not, um, you know, maybe something is not quite right for you. Yeah. I was uh, miserable there for, uh, a few years trying to do a PhD before just deciding to leave with a master's. And one of the things you sort of have to realize is even if you've spent all of this time doing X, you feel like you've made an investment and you have to mm. see it through. But sometimes quitting is the right decision for mm. your mental health and for what yeah. you do want to do in life. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, you know, this is this is uh, uh, very, very common, you know, uh, and it's it's a psychological uh, pattern that, you know, people have, you know, if they make an investment in something, they feel like they have to, to finish because they are already invested in situations. But sometimes um, the smart thing, it's, it's really to to walk away, right? In a, in a certain way, cut, cut your losses, you know, and, and, and be happy, 
because um, you have to be happy, you know? Yeah, exactly. And what advice would you give a young Clyde, maybe when you're just moving to Ireland for the first time or earlier in life when it comes to anxiety, mental health, and setting boundaries? Wow, that is, wow, that is very profound. And I would say, listen to, to your body and listen to your mind, you know, and don't, don't uh, just rush uh, into everything, um, you know, because obviously um, moving to a new country, as I said before, it's very overwhelming because you have to build a whole new identity. Um, you know, you have to rebuild everything from zero and it's a lot of work, right? So you have to find yourself, uh, in my case, for example, I was forced to uh, find a new career, uh, find new friendships and um, just build my whole life from zero in this country, right? Um, it's, um, it's a very difficult process, right? Um, and many times I did feel overwhelmed, particularly in terms of um, achievement, academic achievements. I, I, always, I always felt, you know, I was quite good at school and my career was going well. And having to start from zero, that was very humbling, right? Um, um, it's, it's very, very humbling when you, when you have to literally rebuild everything. And I think take your time and and don't rush into anything and uh you know uh everything will come into place in, in, in due time i think that's that would be the best advice um that i could give myself if i you know if i if i had the chance because um i think in the early years it was very frantic you know you want to prove yourself you want to build something as fast as you can um you have to um, pace yourself and, and listen to, to your body and your mind. Mm -hmm. Yeah, thank you so much for that thoughtful answer. For everyone listening, this is exactly how you start from zero and get to statistics superhero. So <laughs> thanks so much for uh, being on the podcast and speaking no with problem. us, uh, Clyde. Uh, where can we uh, find you or Sunny Numbers? Oh, absolutely. I mean, for anyone, you know, who, uh, any of the listeners who uh, would like to, uh, you know, say hi and uh, get in touch, I, you know, I, I'm always there. I'm always open. You know, I love talking to people and, and meeting new people as well. Um, if you would like to know a little bit more about our work at Sun Numbers, uh, just visit um, sunnumbers.com um, so you can have um, a look at the website. Um, and you also have access to my mail. So drop me a mail and, uh, you know, uh, ask your questions, you know, if you if you have any questions and uh, that'll be a pleasure. So thanks so much, uh, yeah. Simon. That was a pleasure to talk to you today. And, uh, you know, best of luck to everyone. Yeah, thank you again. And of course, a disclaimer. This podcast in all of our mental health learning and educational content is not therapy and is not a replacement for therapy. Please seek professional help if needed. Go to www.resolve2vs.ca to get the support you need. And that's all for now. We hope this was helpful in some small way. If you like our content, 
please subscribe and give us a five-star review wherever you are listening. Make sure to keep updated with all of our content on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter. And of course, come check us out at www.resolve, that's resolve with two Vs, dot CA, to learn more about how our services can support your needs. Till next next time, time, take take care. care. Theme song for this podcast is done by the band Mokuse no Maguro in their song Midnight Empty Street. <laughs>